right, happy Monday. We are we got so much going on today. Michelle Malkin's got a killer kick-ass new book. We'll get to that today about open borders. Uh, the economic numbers digging down deep are amazing. And, and it's everything the media told you it wouldn't be. Uh, we'll hit that hard. We've got a big debate. We have a lot of 2020 stuff. Jason, you just played as part of the open that you put together every day. You take sound bites. Uh, the sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe. Well, and by the way, we're putting up on Hannity.com a, a poll. Do we call him sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe or do we call him Joe 30330 or do we mix them both together and at different times we can call him either one? Now, there's those are the three votes if you want to go to Hannity.com and vote. But there are a lot of issues with him and look into my bloody eyes and an accusation. He's uh, he's holding on to me. It's creeping me out. And and then he said this. I believe history will look back in this presidency as an aberrant moment in time. But if Donald Trump, Donald Trump is reelected, <laughs> Freudian slip. If Donald Trump is reelected. He will forever and fundamentally alter the character of this nation. <laughs> Donald Trump does pose an excellent strength to this. The, it's not hypothetical. Hey, he does pose an excellent. It's not hypothetical. The existential threat, which is what he was trying to say. I'm telling you, this is a mess because the Democratic establishment is freaking out. We'll go into all this later in the program. You know, when you have the what former Pennsylvania governor, our buddy Ed Rendell, I actually like Ed Rendell as a person. I've been around him. We've debated. We've had fun. He's a fun guy. I remember we did a Hannity and Combs in Philly years ago, and he came and was gregarious and fun and entertaining. And and then we went out to some restaurant in Philly. I forget which one. And yeah, we had a great time. He's a good guy, but he's just wrong and a big Hillary supporter. But he pointed out that the Democrats are nervous. His words as hell that Biden's going to implode and implode soon. I mean, the statement that they're making that, you know, clear worry among Biden supporters. He can't be the front runner from June of 2019 through July of 2020. That these gaffes are going to come be piling up and come down on him. He's he's totally right. We got Biden in a health scare. Now, the reason that Democrats are bringing up the health issue is because they want to beat him. Anything you hear about Joe Biden is coming from the Democrats. I don't really care to see his health records. I don't I mean, we know a lot about it. I can tell you everything you want to know about his health. But it's, I, I look with my own eyes and what I see myself is this guy is aged. I mean, and aged dramatically. The broken blood vessels, meaningless. I had I've had that once or twice in my life myself with no issues behind it. But, you know, the guy did have an irregular heartbeat. He did have two brain surgeries for separate aneurysms that were discovered months apart. Uh, high cholesterol, large prostate, asthma polyps in his colon when he had a colonoscopy and he had to have his gallbladder removed. By the way, at 76, none of this is extraordinary. It's sadly part of the aging process. And I have a lot of friends in medicine. This They would tell you that's standard fare. That's not what is bothersome to me. None of those, not one of those issues. The brain surgeries are weird. And you wonder if all of all of these gaffes, if you want to call them that, and it's dumb things that he says all the time. I think it goes it's, it's beyond what a normal politician does. I mean, it's beyond ha ha funny 
it's I look at the guy and he just doesn't if he had a I don't think he ever had a fastball, but let's say he did. He doesn't have it anymore. He's not the same guy. And it looks to me like he's aged 20 years since he left office. But I'm not bringing up any specific health issues about Joe Biden. I mean, but his Democratic opponents are Tim Ryan even saying that he's, quote, declining. What did he mean by that? He means that there is some mental decline in Joe Biden. He just looks old to me and doesn't look up to the job for me. And he said I, he's declining. I don't think he has the energy. You see it almost daily. Quote, and I love the guy. And this all intensified after we saw the CNN seven hour infomercial marathon for the Democratic Party on climate change. So but I think he's in deep trouble. Uh, it didn't help that sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe met voters in Cedar Rapids and one woman, Jessica Roman, literally saying, uh, yeah, he grabbed my hands right away. And that was really uncomfortable telling the Washington Examiner very close. And in my mind, I'm like, this is part of our problem, not recognizing that your need to ask first or can I shake your hand, not just grab your hands and hang on to them. That bothers me. The hanging on part I get. I mean, I'm not a touchy feely person and people over the years, they've been very touchy feely. And I don't think there's any sinister motivation. It's just how they are. And I, I but at sometimes it gets so uncomfortable. You, you're shaking your head. You experience that yourself. Some people are just inappropriate and they don't I don't think some of them know they're inappropriate. And I'm just not like that. Or the people that will kiss on the lips I'm like, oh, stop. No, stop. What are you doing? Anyway, uh, Hillary now deserting Biden, according to NBC News. We'll get to that later today. Told you about Ed Rendell. CBS News saying uh, Warren is now closing in in the early delegate count. Now, that's a big deal. We'll get to that. And Andrew Young went crowd surfing and Bernie Sanders is hanging out with Linda Sarsour. That's a big deal. And if Mark Sanford or the talk show host guy from Chicago who was once a congressman who blew up the first day out or Bill Weld, former Massachusetts governor, thinks they have a chance. They're, they're dreaming. It's not going to happen. And they're complaining, well, this is outrageous. Three states, Republican states, you know, have well, three states have canceled their their Republican primaries, their nominating contests. OK, uh, let's go over this. So we have a full history of all of this uh, in 2012. Four states canceled their respective Democratic primaries altogether, citing Obama being the only candidate to qualify in their respective ballot. That was in 2012. And in 2004, if you go back a ways, several states canceled their primaries, citing Bush being the only candidate to qualify on their respective ballots. So if you actually look at the history of it, Trump, his campaign with George Bush, Herbert Walker Bush, in 92, canceled primaries in eight states. His son, George W. Bush, they canceled 10 when he was running for reelect. The 96, Bill Clinton running for his second term, they canceled eight state primaries. And Obama in 2012, 12, I'm sorry, 10 states canceled. It's not unusual, but that's not what they're going to do. Oh, well, Kamala's in trouble. We'll get to that too later in the program. Um, all right, let's go to the president. He's uh, headed, I guess, towards. I don't know. North Carolina. Let's take a look. Say it. They're dead. They're dead. As far as I'm concerned, they're dead. They thought that they had to kill people in order to put themselves in a little better negotiating position 
When they did that, they killed 12 people. One happened to be a great American soldier, a wonderful young man from Puerto Rico, families from Puerto Rico. And you can't do that. You can't do that with me. So they're dead as far as I'm concerned. And we've hit the Taliban harder in the last four days than they've been hitting over 10 years. So that's the way it is. Said what? Your administration, did your advisors talk you out of that meeting with the Taliban? No, actually, in terms of advisors, I took my own advice. I like the idea of meeting. I've met with a lot of bad people and a lot of good people during the course of the last almost three years. And I think meeting is a great thing. I think that meeting with You know, you're talking about war. There are meetings with war. Otherwise, wars would never end. You'd have them go on forever. Uh, We had a meeting scheduled. Uh, It was my idea, and it was my idea to terminate it. I didn't even, I didn't discuss it with anybody else. When I heard, very simply, that they killed one of our soldiers and 12 other innocent people, I said, there's no way I'm meeting on that basis. There's no way I'm meeting. They did a mistake. And by the way, they are telling people they made a big mistake. They're saying it loud and clear that they made a big mistake, John. Well, Camp David's held meetings with a lot of people that would have been perceived as being pretty tough customers and pretty bad people. There have been plenty of so-called bad people brought up to Camp David for meetings. And uh, the alternative was the White House, and you wouldn't have been happy with that either. So Camp David would have been a good place, but I don't want to meet under circumstances where they go around and try and make themselves a little bit more important by killing a soldier, by killing actually also a great NATO soldier, in addition to our soldier, and also a total of 12 people. I don't want that. But, you know, Camp David has had many meetings that I guess people would not have considered politically correct. Yes, Steve? Well, we're looking at that, and uh, we're thinking about it. You know, as I've said, we've been policemen there for a long time, and the government's going to have to take responsibility or do whatever it is they do. I've been saying from the campaign that we want to get out at the earliest possible time. Uh, We're doing a very good job. Our soldiers are incredible, but they're serving as policemen to a large extent. I just made a statement on it. Uh, Yeah, we'd like to get out, but we'll get out at the right time. What? Well, India and Pakistan are having a conflict over Kashmir, as you know. I think it's a little bit less heated right now than it was two weeks ago, and I'm willing to help them. I get along with both countries very well. I'm willing to help them if they want. They know that that is out there. David? Are you willing to debate the Republicans who are running against you? You know, I don't even know who they are, other than I know that... uh, I guess guess you could say no, but I don't know them. I don't know them. Uh, I would say this. They're all at less than 1%. It's a, I guess it's a publicity stunt. We just got right uh, a little while ago, 94% popularity or approval rating within the Republican Party. So to be honest, I'm not looking to give them any credibility. They have no credibility. Uh, One was a person that voted for Obama, ran as a vice president four years ago and was uh, soundly defeated. 
Another one got thrown out after one term in Congress and he lost in a landslide. And the third one, Mr. Tallahassee Trail or Appalachian Trail. All right, we're going to stay with the president now as he's out with the media as he begins the trek over to Air Force One and and Marine One uh, talking about what happened over the weekend. Yeah, we canceled the meeting with the Taliban. I'm going to give you the history of this and why the media is so wrong. But let's go back to the president. Appalachian Trail, right? The Tallahassee Trail is nice, too, but I think he was the Appalachian Trail. But he wasn't on the Appalachian Trail. He was in Argentina. Yeah, go ahead. Say it louder. Are you okay with using the military as a police force on our southern border? Well, right now, Mexico has been doing a great job for us, and... Frankly, uh, we're very appreciative, but we've also been very, pretty rapidly changing the regulations, the rules, winning in court. We've had a lot of wins. We did it early on, but we're having a lot of wins in court right now. The courts are backing us up, and that has a lot to do with our success on the southern border. In addition, a lot of wall is being built, and every time we put up a mile of wall, that helps us a lot. So we're talking to a lot of different people on that. You know, we're recovering from the hurricane also. Florida did get hit, not as hard as we anticipated. And you look at Georgia, you look at South Carolina, North Carolina. I'm going to North Carolina right now, North Carolina, to have a rally for Dan Bishop. But before I go to the rally, we're going to be stopping at one of the sites that got hit very hard by the hurricane. So we're also recovering from a hurricane. But we have to be very careful. Everybody needs totally proper documentation because, the look, the, the uh, Bahamas had some tremendous problems with people going to the Bahamas that weren't supposed to be there. I don't want to allow people that weren't supposed to be in the Bahamas to come in to the United States including some very bad people and some very bad gang members and some very, very bad drug dealers. So we are going to be very, very strong in that. Let me, let me just explain. Large sections, believe it or not, of the Bahamas were not hit. And what we're doing is bringing the people to those sections of the Bahamas that have not been hit. We've done a lot of the uh, USA aid. We've done a lot of work with our Coast Guard, with our FEMA people who have been phenomenal. I mean, they have been phenomenal. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Well, I saw a statement was just put out uh, having to do with North Korea. And that'll be interesting. We'll see. It just came out over the wires a little while ago. So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, in the meantime, we have our hostages back. We're getting the remains of our great heroes back. And we've had no nuclear testing for a long time. Again, what was the beginning? I think it's very unfair that he does that. I don't think it should be allowed. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of new law being made on that, but we don't think that should be happening now. With that being said, we're starting to do very well in the Ninth Circuit. We're starting to do well all over. We won the lawsuit on the wall. We won the lawsuit on a lot of different things having to do with 
illegal immigration. That's why a lot of our very strong points are coming out. And in addition to Mexico helping us, we're ending up with some great legal victories now on illegal immigration. That's one of the reasons we're doing so well. Go ahead, go. What? Go ahead, what? Yesterday you tweeted that uh, the, uh, uh, the prisoner swap between Russia and Ukraine was uh, the first, perhaps the first giant step towards peace. So do you think the United States should join these talks and should uh, join uh, uh, Germany, France, uh, Russia and Ukraine uh, within the talks called Normandy format? I think the fact that the prisoner swap took place yesterday with Russia and Ukraine is a very big step. And that's a very positive step. If they needed me to get involved, I'd get involved. But that's really a very, very positive event that took place yesterday. Well, you're always concerned that it's temporary, but we now have much better legal protection. And we'd have total protection if the Democrats would get rid of the loopholes, which are there. They could do it in, as I say, 15 minutes if they would get rid of the loopholes and fix asylum, but they don't want to do that. They don't want to do it. The Democrats want open borders. It means crime, it means drugs, it means human trafficking, and that's what they want. And if they want to run on that, they can run on it. But our people, a lot of the people in this country, and I would say a very large percentage of people, they don't want to have crossings illegal. They don't want to have open borders. They want to have a strong border. And I've always said, Without a border, we don't have a country. And without a country, I'll tell you what, we wouldn't be, without that border being strong, we are securing the border like it hasn't been before. And when the wall is built, and it's moving rapidly right now, it's moving very rapidly, the lawsuit wins, the legal wins, we've won a lot. And we've won a lot in the courts over the last year. You know, if you look at the beginning where we were losing, we will have... About 180 judges approved over the next three or four weeks, 180. When I came in, President Obama gave us a beautiful gift. He gave us 138 judges that he wasn't able to get in or didn't pick anybody or couldn't get them approved. 138, I took that. And now when you add the other ones that came through attrition and other, other things that have happened, We'll have about 180 judges approved very, very quickly. How important is it for your reelection? Well, uh, Dan Bishop is a great gentleman, a great man. He's going to be a great, I think he's going to be a great congressman. It was a very close race. I think it's getting less close. Uh, if you look at the numbers from two weeks ago, and I got involved about two weeks ago, and the numbers have gone way up, I think Dan has a very good chance of winning the election. Again, I'm not running, but I have a lot of respect for Dan Bishop. I'm going there now to help him campaign. We're going to be doing a big rally tonight, totally sold out as always. It's every single one totally sold out. There'll be a lot of people outside trying to get in, but it's all in honor of Dan Bishop, North Carolina. I hope they're going to go out and vote. It could happen. It could happen. Yeah. No problem with meeting. Iran should straighten out because, frankly, they're in very bad position right now. 
and they should straighten it out because they could straighten it out very easily. Did you respond to the report today that say that you have mishandled classified information to Russia? No, I know nothing about it. I see the CIA responded perfectly. So whatever the CIA said is fine with me, but I heard they responded perfectly. I know nothing. Well, we're dealing with Democrats. We're dealing with Republicans. We're talking about a lot of different things having to do with, as you call it, gun control. But uh, we are talking about a lot of different things. But at the same time, we have to protect our Second Amendment very strongly, and we will always do that. Well, my decision was to have a meeting. And I said, you know what? I don't like the concept of having it at the White House. That would be a step too far. Uh, there have been many very powerful meetings at Camp David having to do with enemies, real enemies, very big enemies, war. And I thought Camp David would be good, and I still do. Uh, the only reason I canceled that meeting is because they killed one of our soldiers and they killed it. All right, we'll get back. This is the uh, president. We're going to give you the history. This is pretty amazing. President gives up nothing, zero, except his time with North Korea. Him reaching, being willing to talk to people is freaking everybody out. Well, it's very different than Bill Clinton basically giving the world and trying to bribe North Korea. And then as a good deal for the American people, no, it was a horrible deal, proven to be a horrible deal. And Iran and Obama, same thing there. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Uh, all right, so the president, uh, you know, it really frustrates me, and I'm going to get into this in a few minutes. Uh, we're not going to take all of this, but I want to get back to one point in particular, and that is what came out over the weekend. Well, the president, uh, I don't think anybody's thrilled with the idea of negotiating with the Taliban, but you, you got to also remember who the president is matters. Look at the president, North Korea, the president of North Korea. Let's see, what did he give Kim Jong-il? He gave him time, nothing more. And what did the president get? Remains from the the 50s back uh, for the families of the fallen. Big deal to me. Hostages back. American hostage. Big deal to me, too. Uh, Ending the the nuclear testing. Yeah, that's a big deal for well over a year. No rockets fired over Japan and other other countries. And the big deal to me, we got a lot for nothing. Bill Clinton is a good deal for the American people. Yeah, it wasn't a good deal, and nor was the Iranian deal under Obama. So really, it kind of matters who the president is and what their philosophy is going into a meeting like this, because Trump's the guy that's going to say, we will obliterate you. Now, do you want to be obliterated or not? Because that's the only option you have, and we're not giving you a thing. Yeah, that's kind of that guy. Anyway, let's go back. This is him as he now heads to Marine One, which will take him, obviously, to Air Force One for the North Carolina rally tonight. But anyway, here's the president. People trying to build up their importance because they think that's important, except to me it backfired. And they're very upset. They feel that they blew it. And they said it loud and clear. They feel they made a big mistake by doing what they did. We're looking very much at human smuggling. And if you look at trafficking, they call it. If you look at uh, what's going on with the human trafficking, we're bringing it down to a, a much lower level. 
This should have been done for years and years, but we're bringing the human trafficking, as you can see by the numbers, we're bringing it down. Mostly affects women and children. It's a terrible thing. It's been going on for many years, and we're bringing it down. Well, I just came out over the wires that he'd like to have a meeting. Uh, I have a very good relationship with Chairman Kim, Kim Jong-un, and uh, it just came out. I just saw it as I'm coming out here. It just came out that they would like to meet. We'll see what happens. But I always say having meetings is a good thing, not a bad thing. No, I'm not. Uh, let people go and it help. The Bahamas got hit like no. All right, that's no, uh, the president now. He's headed to North Carolina. Important congressional race. We'll get to that later in the program today as well. Look, it, one's philosophy as it relates to the evil players in the world matters a lot. I mean, for example, uh, let's go to the classic appeasement example of Neville Chamberlain. And the meetings with Hitler in Munich and declaring there will be peace in our time. Meanwhile, surrounding Hitler at the time was uh, surrounding Great Britain at the time was Hitler's territorial geopolitical ambitions unfolding with mass murder and assault. And there were there was one voice of moral clarity laughed at in the beginning, then brought in a the right time to save Great Britain, uh, and that was Winston Churchill. He understood from the get-go who, who Hitler was, the danger it posed to his country and to all of Europe, and he was right. And, yeah, he was the said, uh, yeah, I have one mission, victory, victory. I would uh, say to the House, as I said to those who have joined the government, I have nothing to offer but blood, blood toil, toil tears, tears, and sweat. And sweat. Great moment. Victory. That is our aim. That is our only aim. Victory. And we needed, it's like, you know, God gives you the right person in the right place at the right time in human history. They, Britain wouldn't have survived without Winston Churchill. I think that's pretty much a historical fact. And the amazing part about him as a man is, you know, his willingness to to go out amongst the people of Britain during the bombing of Britain. Incredible courage, heroism, moral clarity. You know, that's why we say, like I have said many times about Prime Minister Netanyahu, surrounded by a lot of enemies. He is a Churchillian figure, at times the only voice of moral clarity in the Middle East, understanding radical Islamism. Um. Yeah, nobody. Look, go back. Let's take a. I'll, I'll give a more extensive Hannity history lesson tonight on on the program. But I'll I'll just play. Give you a quick synopsis here. You know, Bill Clinton negotiated with North Korea also. Yeah, and he tried to bribe Kim Jong Un's father, Kim Jong Il, and he offered billions. And he came out of those talks and all the promises that they would. Uh, eliminate and get rid of their nuclear weapons program. No, it was not the good deal for the American people that he claimed it would. Bribing dictators never works. Now, Donald Trump doesn't have a history of bribing anybody. And I don't think Donald Trump is giving any evil dictatorship a penny. He's probably saying, my guess, or if he had had the meeting that he didn't cancel, uh, you have two choices. 
I will obliterate you and you will die and you will lose or you can find a way to peace. These are the conditions, including the rights for women, the recognition of the government. I mean, there's a long list of demands that he put in there and they had agreed to it, which is the only reason there would have been Camp David talks. Uh, Let's not forget Yasser Arafat. I mean, the history of Camp David is crystal clear for anybody to see. But Bill Clinton promised this. But remember, the light water reactors, yeah, they were allowed to keep doing it. You didn't have anywhere, any place, any time inspections. And lo and behold, the bribing of Kim Jong-il was a disaster. But all Trump has given his son, Kim Jong-un, is time. We've gotten back remains. We've gotten back hostages and no testing of of nuclear weapons and the rockets. Yeah, for over a year, they didn't fly over Japan every other day like they were. What did we give up? Nothing. We gave up time and opportunity to enter the world community. But with the insistence, you've got to give it up and we've got to have real inspections. Anyway, the opposite of what Bill Clinton did. Listen. Before I take your questions, I'd like to say just a word about the framework with North Korea that Ambassador Gallucci signed this morning. This is a good deal for the United States. North Korea will freeze and then dismantle its nuclear program. South Korea and our other allies will be better protected. The entire world will be safer as we slow the spread of nuclear weapons. South Korea, with support from Japan and other nations, will bear most of the cost of providing North Korea with fuel to make up for the nuclear energy it is losing. And they will pay for an alternative power system for North Korea that will allow them to produce electricity while making it much harder for them to produce nuclear weapons. The United States and international inspectors will carefully monitor North Korea to make sure it keeps its commitments. Only as it does so will North Korea fully join the community of nations well guess what bill clinton bribed bill clinton was assured and the north koreans continued their nuclear program and no he didn't stop there getting a nuclear weapon it didn't happen just like the fallacy of obama biden with you know 150 billion in cash and other currency dropped on the tarmac for mullahs in iran what did what did we get out of that nothing the deal, the deal literally in 10 years, now this is going back a while, the time, the clock is ticking and the deal would allow, we didn't have anywhere, any place, any time inspections. No, we just gave them the money and said, please be nice. Please, you know, we're trust, we're trusting you with, which is just it, beyond stupid. It's as naive as Neville Chamberlain. Now, do you not think that the president if you have a, a different different philosophy, it matters who you elect as president matters. The commander in chief, the job of the president as commander in chief matters. The philosophy and approach to the world's problems. It's a little unique in what President Trump does, what he has a history of doing versus what others have done and paths others have chosen. I mean, I we still debate whether Harry Truman did the right thing to end World War II after unprovoked, we were attacked at Pearl Harbor and nearly lost 3,000 Americans there. My father served four years in the Pacific, Hiroshima, Nagasaki. Yeah, very controversial at the time and even today. To me, no brainer. It ended a war where many Americans were losing their lives with Japan. And that was a, a the right decision. Tough, 
hard, but the right decision. And I've been saying, and I'll say it as loud as I can, we better start. And what I love about the president, he's also backing this up with real money for a real transformation of our military and our Department of Defense, because we need the next generation of warfare and to prepare ourselves, especially the amount of money China has been spending on their military buildup. It has been massive, absolutely massive. The president addressed that in, in this mini press conference today when he said, yeah, the intellectual property theft, the trade imbalance, we don't have free and fair trade. And the president so far is showing some results. We'll get to that later in the program. You know, 27 year low as it relates to the growth of their economy, 11 year low uh, in terms of the value of their currency. That's not good. And obviously that all happened as a result of the president saying, no, I'm not going to take this. I do believe there's probably probably was some calculation. Maybe he's not going to win reelection. We'll wait him out and we'll just keep doing what we're doing until January of 2021. But Oh, and Trump, he probably said, uh, yeah, well, that's going to cost you a third more if you miscalculate on that. So uh, all of this is is pretty amazing stuff. Uh, I like what Mon- Mike Pompeo said. Uh, he was on one of the Sunday shows this weekend. Hey, in the past, peace talks resumed in the face of attacks. The president said I'm, he made this decision by himself. And he added that American forces are putting real pressure on the Taliban. In just the last 10 days, we've killed over a thousand. Yeah, I mean, nobody's paid attention to what he's doing behind the scenes. He, oh, he's he's a lot of people. Remember, he beat back ISIS uh, as it relates to, you know, in Syria from where it started. And I'll tell you, he went literally from where they were and walked them right back to the original city they took. And they're out now, they'll pop up occasionally when they do. They're going to get the same treatment as everybody else. And I don't think the president's changing his mind. That's why we need the next generation of weaponry, both offensive and defensive weaponry. We can't have kids banging on doors in Iraq and getting involved in a foreign conflict and then walking into an IED and we don't even give them up armored Humvees. We can't fight wars that way anymore. I, I would prefer the next generation of weaponry where these wars will be fought with technology and our technology being so far superior to anybody else on the face of the earth. In that sense, yeah, that then creates a deterrence. That's peace through strength. My philosophy has never changed. You know, remember, they made fun of Reagan when Reagan talked about strategic defense. They called it Star Wars. They mocked it. And what do we see in Israel? Well, the Iron Dome is taken out of the sky, one missile after another, fired into Israel. It is incredibly successful. I've been there twice. I've seen it up close. It works. It's pretty amazing. By the way, top Air Force officials have shot down more fake news from the media mob over the weekend that claimed that an Air Force unit went miles out of their way in a routine mission in Kuwait to stay at President Trump's Turnberry Resort in Scotland. No, Brigadier General Edward Thomas, director of the Air Force Public Affairs, said in a statement, the stop was not unusual. As our air crews serve on these international airlift missions, they follow strict guidelines on contracting for hotel accommodations, all expenditures of taxpayer dollars. In my case, they made reservations, blah, blah, blah. Well, that blew that out of the water. Um, one thing I would say is that I think the president president's proven he means what he says. Look what he did with, you know, the wall money. 
And by the way, what do we have from the Democrats? We'll get into this, too. You know, all they're doing, they, they, all they want to do, they've been waiting all summer. Let's go back. And, in spite of Mueller, let's go forward with impeachment. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, wow, you people just can't let it go. You know, and so they're now adopting, recommending articles of impeachment on what nobody knows. They're just going to make it up because they didn't get what they wanted. We got some new news on the deep state, the biggest abuse of power corruption scandal ever. New emails from soon to be indicted senior FBI hater Andrew McCabe would be my guess. Anyway, and uh, they could actually bolster his claims that he kept Comey in the loop about all the media contacts. Well, I'm telling you, there was an article today. I forgot where I saw it. I think it was. Let me think. About Comey, you know, how many more times, maybe the Washington Times, how many more times is this guy going to dodge an IG report? And is it really now the point where if he was warned ahead of time about the dirty dossier, signed off on it three times, used it anyway, didn't verify it, uh, wouldn't that make the warrants, every one of them, illegally obtained? I would think there's a likelihood we're going to hear about that. All right, that and more straight ahead. President Trump must stop holding the American people hostage, must stop manufacturing a crisis. This president just used the backdrop of the Oval Office to manufacture a crisis. This is a manufactured crisis. No crisis exists, and anyone making the argument is most likely guilty of fear-mongering and willfully misleading the American people. Locals will tell him on the border, even conservatives, is that there isn't a national security crisis. The notion that we have a crisis there, a security crisis, is absolute nonsense. Because this is a manufactured crisis and a crisis that uh, manufactured by the Trump administration. All right. Hour two, Sean Hannity show. Glad you are with us. You notice that they uh, speak in one voice. That's the media and the Democratic Party. The same talking point. I mean, when you can't even get creative enough to get, OK, you guys say this and I'm, we'll say it this way. No, we'll just use we'll drive home the same point time after time after time. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Look, I told you the story, the sad news on Friday night that broke where we had uh, out in California an illegal immigrant shot by uh, an illegal uh, a police officer shot by an illegal immigrant. We've been telling you about the situation in Maryland where this rape took place and others and, you know, the, the amount of crimes that have been committed by illegal immigrant criminals. Now, I will start out by saying the 99 percent of people around the globe, even the migrant caravans, I'd say probably 99 percent. There are people that see this great country of ours as the best opportunity for them and their families to succeed. Having been down to the border 13, 14 times, I can tell you that you can see poverty on one side of the border and you could see prosperity on the other, that it is that stark of a difference. I don't blame people that are in countries that don't have opportunity, that are oppressed. They want to bring their God-given talents to fruition and they want they have dreams and hopes for their children like we do our children. But then you get the one percent of criminal aliens that come into the country and in a two year period, 4000 murders and 30,000 violent sexual assaults and 100,000 just violent assaults in general. And it gets, you know, to the point 
why are we letting this happen? Why are we not protecting the American people? Now, in the second term of Obama, we've discussed this. All the Democrats, they weren't calling Obama's plan to build a wall a manufactured crisis. Just the opposite. They sounded pretty much like Donald Trump sounds today. And we played those tapes for you. But the bottom line is the president, and I remember I took a lot of heat. Linda, back me up. How much heat did I get from fellow conservatives saying, see, he bailed on the wall and you're protecting him? I said, no, he's changed strategies. He realizes Congress is ineffective and it's going to take too long to get the money. So he has identified legislation that authorizes him to cut off, to build border walls, to to cut off drug trafficking uh, into this country. So he has legislative constitutional authority and he also has the Constitution. He's the commander in chief. He's number one role is to protect we, the American people. And he got the job done, reallocated three point six billion dollars for new monies for the wall, which past presidents have done. He's just doing it in this case for the wall money. Anyways, somebody who's wrote has written a well-researched, exhaustively researched book, as always, is uh, Michelle Malkin, Open Borders, Inc., who's funding America's destruction. And she literally puts her hard driving, great research with a shocking deep dive, you know, dossiers of people that are funding all this. Michelle, how are you? Uh, More importantly, how's your family? Uh, You've been a, a very close friend of mine for many, many years. Thank you, my big brother. Everything's going as well as it can in Colorado. We certainly love it out there. Um, and, you know, I've got two teenage kids, and it's always a roller coaster ride with them. Um, but, you know, I've been up on my mountaintop busy compiling, as you say, this deep dive dossier. And I hope that people not only read it and digest it, but share it because it's really information that's meant to be acted on. And it's not a manufactured crisis, as you have laid out. It's an existential crisis that we're facing. And I really believe that um, our president uh, needs the support of the American people because we are up against so much, whether it's the left-wing amnesty uh, activists and radicals who have hijacked um, so many of our public institutions and are out there on the streets threatening our ICE agents, uh, whether it's the big business forces that uh, collude with nonprofits and charities like uh, the Catholic Church and the Vatican. I'm Catholic. I'm uh, baptized as a Catholic, a proud graduate of a a Catholic high school. But when I hear um, the current Pope um, undermine our American sovereignty and then accuse us Catholics who believe in immigration enforcement uh, and the rule of law as somehow abandoning our faith, um, that needs to be pushed back against, too. And it was just last week that the the Pope was taking pride uh, in being criticized by brave Catholics out there willing to call him to the carpet. It's a billion-dollar industry for the, the Vatican to undermine our borders and and bring people here illegally. Well, I mean, and we haven't brought up the cost factor, but I mean, that's secondary to if we're not protecting the American people. To me, that has to be priority number one. But the impact uh, over time, I mean, we're talking about trillions of dollars when you add up the cost of the educational system, our health care system, our criminal justice system, you know, and and how many more times are we going to have illegal immigrant criminals? I'll I'll say the one percent, not the ninety nine that commit atrocious crimes against Americans, in some cases, rape and murder and other violent crimes. And then they are they are aided and abetted by sanctuary cities and states that refuse to comply with federal immigration laws and will not turn even those people getting out of jail over to ICE for deportation. 
Uh, that's yes. problematic for me. Like in the case of the cop shot last week. Absolutely. And what you see time and again is with this burgeoning abolish ICE movement that is threatening our public safety and our national security, they are underwritten by the usual suspects, uh, the George Soroses of the world, the Tides Foundation. I've got over 400 organizations that I have named that have metastasized across the country. And this is the you know great tactic of the left, is they have a gazillion names. You can't t- keep track of them. That's why I wrote the book. How many people uh, have asked you and, and have, have asked me over the years, well, who are these people? Where's this money coming from? Well, it's not just left-wing philanthropy. These are tax-exempt organizations that operate as nonprofits when they really are, in essence, human traffickers. Montgomery County, where there are now eight illegal alien criminal rape suspects that have terrorized not just American citizens, but other people who are here legally or illegally, um, they have essentially been sponsored by Catholic Charities and Casa de Maryland, which was once headed by, yes, the current DNC chair, Tom Perez. Um, The radical open borders faction of the Democrat Party has become the mainstream, and we'll see certainly see that on full display during the debates later this week. The amount of money you're identifying in this book is pretty shocking to me, and that's money that is dedicated to this very, this one specific issue. Now, I don't know why the Democrats find, in spite of all the polls showing Americans believe that, yeah, we need to secure the border, and they not that long ago when Obama's second term were supporting it, why they would look at a a 70-30 issue like this and think they're going to double down on stupid and they're going to say it's manufactured and contradict just what they said a couple of years ago. Um, Is it money also that helps get them reelected? Absolutely. Um, And it is this vicious cycle of taking money from these left-wing groups, siphoning it it away from the federal government. I mean, that's what's so shocking is that billions of dollars, I mean, at least $55 billion um, has been estimated to be the annual cost of illegal immigration to taxpayers at, at the local, state, and federal level. But on top of that, you have programs that are bringing people here ostensibly legally, like the refugee resettlement bracket, um, where you have all of these nonprofit groups that are explicitly anti-Trump uh, and for open borders Democrats. And I mentioned Catholic Charities. There's the Lutheran Immigrant and Refugee Services. They're making billions, billions of dollars, and I track all of, the, of that money um, to bring people like Ilan Omar here, who then turn around and call for the United Nations to take over our borders. Unbelievable. You know, the whole thing to me is is beyond absurd. Listen, I don't want to be very clear because I don't like the way that conservatives like us are often portrayed. We love people. We understand my four grandparents all came from Ireland. I support immigration. I support legal immigration. But they went they did it legally. They went through Ellis Island. I even have all of I went back and got the documents. They're all framed up and they're in my house. But I but and that's the point. Just do it legally. We want to make sure in this day and age that we vet people before they come in. And simultaneously, I think you've got to prove that you are able to take care of yourself uh, while you are here and that otherwise welcome. Welcome to our country. That's it. Absolutely. And I think that we have to be unapologetic and not bow to the forces of political correctness. But more importantly, of course, where does this onslaught come? These 
constant ad hominem attacks where we have to be on the defensive about basic principles of sovereignty. Well, there's a whole chapter in the book on the Southern Poverty Law Center and its acolytes that spend every single day, every single waking moment and second turning our expression, our free speech to uphold uh, the rule of law as somehow, quote unquote, hate speech. And you see, we've seen it every single no, day. I mean, now we've experienced this. Right? How many years have we been on the air together? And yes, 20, I mean, 20 plus 23 plus years. Exactly. Uh, all right. Michelle Malkin, we put it up. We featured it on Hannity.com. It's called Open Borders, Inc., who's funding America's destruction. She identifies and is, she, well, first of all, she's compiled 500 pages here and 12 appendices, uh, appendix uh, and maps tracing billions of dollars uh, spent or received by 400 plus nonprofits and all these other groups, 600, 1600 plus footnotes in this book. Um, and she's challenging a lot of people here. Right, as we continue, our friend Michelle Malkin is out with a brand new book. It's called Open Borders, Inc., who is funding America's destruction. We have it up on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Uh, let me I don't think people understand the amount of money that you're talking about, that you go into great specific detail in your book about identifying 400 plus nonprofits, religious charities, legal organizations, lobbying groups, etc., how much money are we talking about? Um, I haven't totaled up it all up because it, it keeps growing, but we are literally talking about trillions of dollars. And I'm talking about all aspects of what essentially is a criminal smuggling conspiracy that is worldwide. I mean, just the annual revenue from southern border smuggling alone is between four and four point two billion dollars. We've talked about uh, Donald Trump uh, promising to tax remittances, which would be a huge boon to uh, helping pay for further southern border security for us. Well, remittances from uh, illegal and legal alien workers in the U.S. to Mexico that's going back to their country last year, 34 billion dollars. There are massive incentives to draw wow. people across the border. And you wonder why all of these illegal parents, illegal alien parents, are paying coyotes to haul their kids across the desert. Well, the Trump administration is doing the best it can to end that catch and release racket that is exploiting children. And, you know, goodness knows. I mean, here we are accused of, of not having compassion. You know, the last thing that we should be doing is supporting this enabling of what happens to these kids on the trail with total strangers um, making up fake families to get into the country. It's disgrace. And the illegal alien lawyers lobby, which is supported by George Soros, is right in the middle of it there to lure people through. You know, the thought that people, uh, why is there, their, does, what is their motivation in this? Well, there's a number, and we've just talked about the, the pure financial incentives here. For a lot of the religious organizations, for the Vatican, for the Lutheran Church, it's about filling up their pews, which have been increasingly emptied as uh, Americans abandon their faith, uh, and then filling them with illegal aliens who will be amnestied and provide them uh, a source of, of income and fill up their collection plates. But then, as we know, Sean, and we've talked about so many times over the years, 
For the Democrats, it's about securing a permanent ruling majority, and we're not supposed to talk about it. They call us conspiracy theory nuts when we talk about uh, the fact so that all you, of these uh, real quick, the, what you're saying is they they believe demographic shifts will favor them electorally, and I only have about 20 seconds. Yeah, no question about it. The percent of the percent of congressional districts with foreign-born populations above the national average that were Democrat is nearly 90 percent. You can see what's happening down the pike, and it, rationally it makes sense for them. But for the rest of the country, it, it is existential suicide. All right. Michelle Malkin, her brand new book just out today, Open Borders, Inc., who's funding America's destruction. Amazon.com, Hannity.com. Find it in bookstores near you. Uh, Michelle, a dear, close personal friend and her daughter, she's talked publicly about is doing amazing in the last email you sent me. And we're very happy about the good news, Michelle. Love you, Sean. Thank you. You're the best. Love you, too. Amazing, amazing story of how she has shown such love to her child. It's incredible, actually. All right. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue. Uh, We'll hit the phones. The other news of the day. We'll battle it out with Austin Goolsby. Well, how's he going to deal with the new economic numbers of Trump? That's not going to be good for him. Straight ahead. I believe history will look back in this presidency as an aberrant moment in time. But if Donald Donald Trump is reelected... Freudian slip. If Donald Trump is reelected, he will forever and fundamentally alter the character of this nation. Donald Trump does pose an excellent strength to this. It's not hypothetical. But kiddo, I want you to just take a look, okay? You don't have to agree. But I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel. Crazy, creepy Uncle Joe. All right. Now, this raises a question, by the way, 25 till the uh, top of the hour. A, a huge, big economic news the media mob will never get to. We'll get that news in at the top. A uh, uh, Hannity debate you don't want to miss. Austin Goolsby and David uh, Bonson is with us. But we're kind of, I'm like, kind of. I'm kind of in a bit of a quandary. I don't know what the right answer is. And we're kind of seeking your help. And that is, do we keep calling Joe Biden sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe? Or do we call him Joe 30330? There's three options. One, two, or both. And we'll put it up on Hannity.com. Linda doesn't. You are voting for both, correct? Yeah, I think they're both hysterical. I love it. Uh, look into my my bloody eye. Am I mean, I really? but the weird part is if you see the video, it's on Hannity.com. He's like walking across the stage to this girl. He like takes her hand. You know, he's like, give uh, me your hand. Look into my eyes. I'm like, what is my, going on with this guy? His, his bloody, creepy eyes. Uh, yeah, that's a little scary. I mean, where's um, Jill Biden when you need her, right? You got to swallow a little of vote for this guy. Well, according to his wife, those are her exact words. That's what she said. So anyway, the Washington Examiner had a piece when he had this this bus it up blood vessel. I've had that in my life. So I'm not to me. It's not a big deal to my doctor. It wasn't a big deal at all. And for varying reasons, something like that can happen. I didn't have any issues with blood pressure or anything that caused that. Now, Biden has had two brain surgeries for separate aneurysms that were discovered months apart. Uh, at one point, he was diagnosed with near regular heartbeat, high cholesterol, enlarged prostate, asthma polyps in his colon when he got, I guess, his his colonoscopy. But uh, and and he's had a, a gallbladder removed. Got to be not, honest, that's more information than I ever wanted to know about well, Joe I'm Biden. Getting, I just got to in the Washington know. Examiner. I'm doing my job. I am. 
I'm trying to inform Ugh, our audience God, in as entertaining a way. He's 76 years old. There's nothing that I just read there that is unusual for somebody that's 76 years old. And I, I'm just saying from a medical standpoint, but that's not, I don't want to, I'm not asking for his medical records. I'm just observing. In my humble opinion, I'm looking at a guy to me that since he's left office, he looks, he doesn't look the same. He looks like he's aged 20 years. Now, if you watch pictures of anybody but that becomes president, you look at assuming they go eight years, you look at the picture when they first get in office and the picture when they leave office, they age dramatically. In, That's because most period. of the time, the politicians, they don't work. That's why Trump looks the same. He's used to working his ass off. That might be true. So far, I agree with you. I have not noticed any change yet whatsoever not in the bit. president. If anything, he's Dan taller. Now, what's interesting is that his rivals for this Democratic nomination they are all raising the health issue on their own. One of the rivals for the Democratic nomination now says he is, quote, declining, does not have the energy for the campaign. That's Tim Ryan telling Bloomberg, uh, you see it almost daily. And he said, quote, and I love the guy. Now, these questions about the health, they're intensifying. Wait, 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 wait a minute. See, now that's just a that, nobody sits there and says, you know, that guy, he's a this, he's a that. He's got bloody eyes. He's not cut out for the job, but I love him. I love him. Say bloody eyes again. Bloody eyes. Bloody eyes. Bloody okay. eyes. Well, anyway, you know, so, who but here's, that? What, who, here's what's happening, though. These, the questions about his health and more particularly his mental health, they're not coming from Republicans. They're coming from Democrats. His Democratic rivals want to destroy him. That's the bottom line. And he was, you know, he doesn't remember. We trade. We'll take truth over facts, and you know all the dumb things that he said. And I guess the audience knows all about it by now. We even had a vote on our website last week on that. But you know, just like when I was twenty nine, was I old enough? And now, am I fit enough? I'm. I'll completely disclose everything about my health. And he released his medical history in October of '08 when he was the vice presidential nominee. So maybe we'll get an update on that. I, I don't need the update on it. I'm looking, and I'm not seeing. The same guy with anywhere near the same amount of energy, and he just looks like he's aged dramatically. Now, whether you want to call him sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe or Joe 30330, you can vote on Hannity.com. Uh, it was interesting because it looked like his inner Al Franken got the better of him this last week when he got grabby again, as Linda was mentioning, this time with an Iowa school teacher complaining who complained to the media. You know, imagine Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris. What would they be saying if Biden was a Republican? Anyway, he left an Iowa teacher unimpressed with his canned response to her question about collective bargaining. But what she resented more was how abruptly he seized her hands and clung on to them. Woman's name is Jessica Roman. Then the Washington Examiner had stopped Biden, greeted as he's greeting voters in Cedar Rapids. And I think that he means well, but, you know, he grabbed my hands right away and that was really uncomfortable. He was very close. And in my mind, I'm like, OK, this is part of our problem. Not recognizing that you need to ask first or can I shake your hand? I don't know about do we have to now ask to shake somebody's hand? Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I call time. I think this is a bunch of baloney. I, wait, hang on. Linda calls time. I call time. I think this is ridiculous. We are going too far. You know, I mean, enough of this. I, I mean, my God, if somebody has to say, excuse me, I'd like to shake your hand. Can I shake your hand? Give me a break. I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's getting bizarre. And Anyways. if it's bloody eye Joe, 
yeah, okay, it's a little weird. Maybe that's uncomfortable, but you know. Well, I, listen, I've been around people that are so touchy feely. It creeps me out sometimes. You've had that experience. Oh, listen, I have people that come in every time they see me, and they're lovely people, and I love them to pieces, and they're super nice. But they think the proper way to say hello is to kiss you right on the smackaroo, and I'm like, hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I I'm not a kisser uh, like right. that. No. But I'm saying men, women, By the way, like and even you know, if you say you have a friend and you give them, you know, a hug or something or kiss their cheek, I mean that the lips kiss. Have somebody kiss you on the cheek and they leave a wetness? I've had people with orange lipstick kiss me. Oh, see, that's just inappropriate. Everybody knows you do a side kiss. Thank you. No, not on the lips. I'm just that was a side kiss. Q-Ball has just announced that that is not a kiss. That is a lick. Yeah. (laughs) No, the the lipstick was on the lips and it looks like orange to me. Anyway, the (laughs) it is funny. You're very uncomfortable right now. It's my favorite part of the show. It looks like this was on NBC News that, well, Hillary's deserted Biden is now advising Elizabeth Warren. NBC News. Just chilling in Cedar Rapids. Two women keeping a line of communication open since Warren uh, stated that she decided she wanted to run for president. Several people familiar with their discussions speaking to NBC News anonymously, the conspiracy network. Neither camp wants to reveal much of anything about their interaction in part because they have each other's phone numbers and there are ways for two high-powered politicians to communicate that don't involve a staff member. You know what I think is really interesting about this? Somebody who hid 30,000 emails is now talking to somebody else who lied about the heritage for 30 years about how they can communicate better without anybody knowing. I like Ed Rendell. I've known Ed Rendell for years, former DNC chair. What was he? The former governor, I guess, of Pennsylvania. I forgot what he did. And he says Democrats are nervous as hell. Tells us to Politico that Biden's going to implode. It's a sensation underpinning the entire primary. The feeling that Biden's presidential bid may be one direct hit short of falling apart. What's surprising, though, many people is they now expect his campaign to implode any day. He's a former governor of Pennsylvania, as I suspected, and one of Biden's most vocal uh, supporters confirmed there's a clear worry among Biden supporters. He can't be the front runner from June of 2019 through July of 2020 that eventually the gaffes are going to pile up and he's going down. And many of Biden's supporters said, Randell, they're nervous as hell. He's right. William Owen, DNC member from Tennessee, was endorsed. Biden said that although he expects Sanders or Warren uh, to continue to split the, the vote on the party's left flank, if one of them starts surging, we're in trouble. Yeah, just like they don't need to win Iowa or New Hampshire. They're still good with that. No way. If you look at the delegate count, and this is CBS News, fake news, the vice president is clinging to a narrow lead. Their CBS News YouGov tracker, the only count that ultimately matters, delegates that, that the 600 delegates for Biden to 545 for Warren. That is not a good sign. You know, and then you got all these other candidates out there. Oh, by the way, big announcement. Mark Sanford is in. He's going to challenge. Isn't he the governor that disappeared in Venezuela with a girlfriend? And like he said, he was, was on a uh, hiking trip. Argentina. Argentina. Wasn't he the guy in Argentina that disappeared with his girlfriend and said he was out hiking or something? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. Don't cry for me, Argentina. I'm running for president. Exactly. Andrew Yang, apparently we got to get this video for TV, is doing what I guess Beto O'Rourke could only dream of. Uh, He was spotted performing, I guess, might be a first in a presidential campaign. He was crowd surfing across a wave of supporters at the Democratic Presidential Forum in California. How come we haven't seen pictures of that? That was a week ago. All right. As we continue, uh, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Bernie Sanders, Mr. Angry Socialist. Did you see he trotted out Linda Sarsour, who 
uh, support Sharia, a radical, virulent anti-Semite in her own right. At a time of startling rise in white nationalism and anti-Semitism, I would be so proud to win, but also to make history and elect the first Jewish American president this country. Don't let that comment. The first Jewish American president this country has ever seen and for his name to be Bernard Sanders. All right. Don't let that comment in any way impact what you we know about Sarsour. She has been a harsh, virulent anti-Israel activist for years. She has defended Sharia law. She's refused to condemn the radical, racist, anti-Semite Louis Farrakhan. Many Jewish organizations, you know, have gone after her anti-Semitic views and she can say anything she wants. So that's going to be a problem for him. You mark my words. Uh, It's by the way, there was a great piece I saw in Politico, too. It's a deceptive lead and why Biden's rivals are planning on planning on his big collapse uh, to get back to him, which is pretty interesting. And one thing that has come up and sweet baby James got me some research. Republicans in three states have canceled presidential nominating contests. Okay, well, this happened to President George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush in eight states, uh, 10 for George W. Bush. It happened with Bill Clinton in 96. They canceled primaries in eight states. And in 2012, Obama was running. They canceled 10. Let's just give a little facts to the narrative that Donald Trump is is doing this. No, it's it, you. Mark Sanford, let me break the news to you. Uh, whatever that dopey talk show host is that got killed on his first day out because of his stupid comments over the years. Um, and also what? I guess the former Governor Weld, they, they're not winning. I, they, they're doing it probably to write a book and, and get a launching pad on these stupid Sunday shows that nobody watches anymore. There's a little truth that nobody will ever tell you. The, the days of... You know, Tim Russert and and Brinkley, they're long gone. Those shows used to have some clout. They don't anymore. So Democratic field will narrow more and more, especially as we now head into, I guess, when do we have another debate? Is it this week or next week or whenever yeah, it's it this is? this week, boss. Um, where is it? Do we know who's hosting the debate? I know it's Wednesday and Thursday. Let me see where it is. All right. Um, analysts are warning of the left's gathering threat to the Electoral College uh, and the U.S. Senate. They've set their sights on eliminating the Electoral College. Oh, yeah. And then, then they want to do things like, oh, let's see. Let's get rid of let's stack the courts. I mean, they this is stuff they really want to do. Yeah, they want power that bad. And by the way, Rahm Emanuel even saying Medicare for all health care for illegal immigrants is untenable. For the Democrats, Kamala had to back off her laugh when an attendee called Trump's actions. I won't say the word. People get offended. Uh, Anyway, she had to back off that and she claimed she didn't hear, which I don't believe either. And it didn't go over well with people on social people on social media. Listen, they call me out constantly. We've got Austin Goolsby and, and David Bonson at the top of the hour. Look, all the predictions now for months and months and months and months and months. Oh, the economy. We're heading into a recession. Democrats openly cheering for one, trying to talk the economy down. This is a phrase, talk the economy down. Now, the president has boldly decided and probably if he was a typical average politician would never do this. He'd make the, he would he would make the political calculation. You know, I'll wait till after reelection. Then we'll follow through on China. We got Canada. We got Mexico. We got Western European allies. We got Japan. We'll do China after the 
the second when we begin the second term. But he doesn't roll that way. And the president, yeah, he's saying China. Sorry, uh, he's now driven their economy to the slowest growth in 27 years and the lowest the currency has been in 11. That's pretty amazing. Uh, We have now record low unemployment again for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans. Workforce uh, participation rate is through the roof in spite of all the predictions. We'll get to that all coming up. 800-941-SHAWN. News Roundup Information Overload is next. Stay right here for our final News Roundup and Information Overload. Here's the story. Here is the story. Okay, the household survey, the household survey from which unemployment rates uh, are derived. Household survey tends to be smaller businesses, newer businesses and a leading indicator uh, exploded, exploded. Five hundred and ninety thousand new jobs in the household survey. That is virtually unprecedented, Stuart. And this is the third straight month, okay? Uh, Let me read you, 373,000 average. 373,000 average for the last three months. This from the household survey. Blowout number shows you the real health. Another number, I want to say the civilian labor force, the civilian labor force up 571,000. Again, the third straight month, the average is 425. Uh, What does that mean, the civilian labor force? That is people coming back in to the reported labor force. It was just announced that we had a record-setting jobs report for the month of August, and African-American jobs were the lowest unemployment rate in the history of our country. Likewise, Hispanic job report just came out. Lowest unemployment rate in the history of our country. The women are doing great. Asians also lowest in the history of our country. It's incredible what's happening. Our economy is strong. Our country is great. We've never been in a better position. More people are working today in the United States than at any time in the history of our country. Almost 160 million people. So to all fellow American citizens, I say one simple word. Congratulations. All right. That was uh, Larry Kudlow and the president talking about, yes, the new jobs report. We now have confirmation 6.2 million officially individuals that are off of food stamps since Donald Trump has been elected president. We have Hispanic unemployment rate. It is now tied again. their all time low. Uh, Black unemployment has smashed the all-time low record again for another consecutive month. And uh, this is all good for our American family. But yet there is uh, there's certainly challenges. There's always going to be economic challenges. There's no doubt that the president, and he said it publicly, is calculating that, well, the $500 billion trade deficit with China is a problem. It will be a short-term hit. But it will be long term in the best interest of all our manufacturers, our car manufacturers, our farmers and everybody in between. And it's amazing that farmers surveyed support the president standing tough on China, understanding short term. It's it's difficult. Uh, But China is now at a point where as a result of the president's policies, they now have a 27 year 
low in terms of their economic growth and an 11-year low in terms of the valuation of their currency. So do I think the president, and last week they went back to the table, which is the best side. Now, the president has negotiated new trade deals with Western European allies, with Canada, with Mexico, with Japan. Also, NATO is now paying more of their fair share. The president made that promise. He ran on this and there might be a short term hit slowdown. Now, the Fed chairman said all this talk. He said this at the end of last week about a recession is in his uh, mind just not accurate at all. Doesn't see any signs of it whatsoever. There's been talk that the rate might be dropped by the Fed in the very near future, which should help the economy out, especially during the trade talks with China. But anyway, here to discuss and I mean, discuss we've already battled out Obama's record to death. We're not going to go down that road today. Uh, Austin Goolsby, professor at Chicago's Booth School of Economics. He is the former chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors for the Obama administration. I, I have chosen now to forgive him for what he did to the economy and move on. Also with us, uh, David Bonson is with us, managing partner and chief investment officer of the Bonson Group, regular contributor, National Review, Forbes. Uh, welcome both of you to the uh, program. Uh, Austin, I'll start with you. I mean, you even admitted the last time you were on the program, which one of the reasons I like you so much. Yeah, thank God the Trump economy is doing really well. Yeah, I've always tried to carry myself with a certain quiet dignity, Sean. And, uh, and and you've tried to take that from me at various times we've spoken. But look, last time I said, and I, and I stand by, we're now in the longest recovery in U.S. history. And two-thirds of that was under Obama, approximately. One-third of that has been under President Trump. Okay. You, why, well, I just made peace with you, and you go... And as wait, and my punchline uh, was, hats off to both of them. There are many strong no. aspects of the economy under Donald Trump. And You can't help yourself. Him. You feel a compulsion. Always defend Obama's horrible eight years. Uh, David, do you agree with that analysis, or did the deregulation and massive tax cuts under Trump spur most of this economic growth. No, there's no question, Sean, that the huge pickup in business investment that came about at the Trump was elected was the big catalyst that moved us to much higher trend line growth. Uh, Austin's right that the recovery itself now is the longest in history, but for the two thirds of it that he's referring to under Obama, it was one of the lowest magnitude recoveries. Um, I, I think congratulations are in order to the American people, to private enterprise, because business has been so resilient. There's been incredible tick up in business confidence. And that's what, if there's any crack in the economy right now or any concern going forward, it's nowhere near recessionary. But I do worry that that business investment looks to be slipping a little. That's the assessment so far. Austin, your reaction? Yeah, part of that I agree with. Um, you know, the I, I like that we we ought to always remember ninety plus percent of what happens with economic growth has nothing to do with Washington. It is the private sector. It is the overall economy that deserves the congratulations. I think it's right. The strongest part of the economy is the consumer side, which they remain, even though there was a kind of a scary little blip down in consumer confidence measures for one month, That's hopefully that's just a blip. The consumer spending has been strong. If there is weakness, it's happening on the business investment slowdown, manufacturing employment contracting, getting in a little tougher spot. So 
I well, how much, you, how much do you think of the, the approach that the president's taking on what? Of, of we're going to go into 2020, let's ramp up the trade war talk with China? I think that's I think that's a mistake. Because I think the I president mean, of risk, he's, he's, he's well, there might be some risk. But, you know, when has this president been afraid of risk, David? And number one and number two, why do I suspect? That if the president, knowing him as well as I do, almost 25 years, I mean, what is the president risking here if the president, in fact, says to China, by the way, if you're if President Xi, if the people around you are telling you I'm not going to be here in January of 2021, uh, they're misleading you. I'm going to be here and the price is going to be 33 percent higher. I, I, I would bet Donald Trump saying that right now. Yeah, I mean, I think, Sean, that if I were playing devil's advocate, the concern would be that getting to that January 2021 case becomes harder if there's a whole lot of volatility in markets and in the economy along the way. However, the thing that no one seems to be talking about is the most important metric that's really changed under the Trump administration is the labor participation force. Bingo. It's about the, the dignity of our society. It's not just econometric. You have more people looking for work, more people feel worthy of work, more people wanting to work, and yes, wages are going up along with that. So all of the Phillips curvers that predicted this would be inflationary have gotten it wrong. And Mogheri Cargo, my dear friend, has been predicting the death of Phillips Curvers for years, and they keep coming back around. The fact of the matter is that low unemployment and growing wages are good for an economy. Prosperity is not inflationary. I'll let you respond, Austin. No, it's not a response. I agree with that. I haven't been one of the... The, the inversion the people, you're not the, the what 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 we call the Phillips curvers, the the people at the Fed. I will remind you, they started saying that in 2010, literally saying, "Oh, there's going to be overheating once the unemployment rate gets down below six percent. It's going to be inflationary." Then it was five percent. It's going to be massive inflationary. Four percent, massive inflationary. We have not seen uh, the inflation. The strongest part of the economy, like I say, is the consumer strength, which is directly tied to this, the labor market is tight. It's good. We have a good labor market. I just don't want that to start to reverse. Well, let me and ask I you this. Let me ask you this, Austin. The biggest tax on the middle class probably ever in the form of these tariffs. I don't think that that's good. Why is Donald well, Trump? Well, wait a minute. But look at every every single product. Strongest, but hang on. Big, You're criticizing it. You agree $500 billion in tariffs and a trade deficit is unconscionable. You agree that this is not fair trade uh, yeah, that we currently have. Wait a minute. So the president doing what he always does, he's keeping his word. He's not making the political calculation that most politicians would make. And he's fulfilling a promise. And yeah, he's recognizing it might be tough. But at the end of the day, the president is saying, no, we want free and fair trade. And you guys uh, have taken advantage of us and we're sick of it. And I think, frankly, politically, the president's winning and people understand it. I don't see that part. I don't know. I think he's look at the poll for farmers. His, I understand what what he's trying to do, but he has not made any specific demands on the Chinese. And when we have gotten the Chinese to do what we want, like when we got them to stop devaluing their currency at the in 2008 to 2011 period, 
we got our allies together. We went to them with specific demands, not public humiliation. And we said, look, if you don't stop doing this, collectively, we are all going to do X, Y, Z. And it got them to stop. I don't think that you can get the Chinese to change their behavior through public berating and humiliation. I, don't, it's, I just don't it's think not, that will work. And it isn't well, working now. Well, I, did, well hang on a second. Austin, hang on. Us. I'll go to David. David, a 27-year low in terms of their growth. They were outpacing the world by a lot more. We're watching also this military buildup. The theft of intellectual property is out of control. The, tr- the trade deficit, the tariffs they're putting on all American products makes it cost prohibitive for our farmers and manufacturers. They have a 27-year low in terms of economic growth and an 11-year low in terms of the value of the currency. I would say Trump has made a strong statement. Yeah, I, th- I agree. He's made a very strong statement, and I do think that it's still kind of TBD as to how it's going to play out. But I've learned to quit predicting with, with the president. Right when I think, oh, now they got him, it, it, it time and time again has moved the other direction. Now, look, I, I'll be very honest. I'm a supply-side conservative economist, and I am a free trader. But in this case, the intellectual property theft is, to me, the gross, egregious issue that has had to be dealt with. Um, The mere existence of us buying more from them than we sell to them has never bothered me much economically. It bothers our farmers. uh, It bothers our our car manufacturers big time because it's impossible to to penetrate that market. But But, but, Sean, I agree. agree, But that's a a huge huge topic and, and probably one you don't want me to start getting into now, but I agree that there are people who suffer from it. There's no question. And I want holistic solutions that work for everybody. Hey, listen, but, I don't want, I'm I, like you. But, I, I don't, David, I've got to take a break, but I don't want a trade war. Who wants it? I want our, I, but I do want fair trade. And I think the president taking a stand, I, listen, they have to, the, the only way he's ever going to get a better deal is if the Chinese believe he means it. He's showing them he means it. And he does mean it. The reality is this guy is unlike most politicians and he's going to fight. He made the promise. He look at he won on the border funding issue. All right, stay right there, uh, David Bonson and uh, Austin Goolsby. All right, as we continue, Austin Goolsby with us and David Bonson are with us. Uh, all right, so we have about thirty seconds each. We'll start with Austin. Where do you see the economy going? Uh, and do you see a resolution to what you think is a bad political calculation as in regards to China? I think it's a bad economic calculation as regards to China. And I see the economy definitely slowing down. And so I'm puzzled why the president would keep pressing on. The why China are you puzzled? Front. He never stops fighting for his promises. You should not be puzzled yeah. any longer by Donald Look, Trump. The, uh, then, I, then I guess I'm puzzled why simultaneously threatened trade wars with Europe, Canada, Mexico, Japan, Korea, Germany separately, and then China, when we need those allies to help us try to get China to change their behavior. Right last, now, all right, last word. Hang we've on. alienated all our allies. David Bonson, well, we're doing a lot better than those allies on the economic front, but go ahead. Final word. 
Well, here's the final word, Sean. Prime age women in the U.S. workforce at the highest level in 17 years. Black unemployment rate, the lowest of all time. Stock market has, through these trade war challenges, has come back near its all-time high. Uh, I think business investment has got to stay strong. But what everyone on the leftist Keynesian side missed is that those corporate tax cuts were not one-time sugar highs. They were supply side and will last for years to come. All right, David, thank you. Austin, thank you. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back, and we will continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Remember, we have put up on Hannity.com. I, we're kind of mixed. We got a mixed review here among our, well, working focus group, if you will, as usual. I don't think we ever agree on everything, all of us. Well, we all agree. Well, you agree because what you do is you intimidate the staff. That I never do not to, intimidate never, the staff. You intimidate the staff, especially Ethan and Jason. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. first of all. And Jason? Jason, Jason, back me up on this. And that is. You want me to back you up that the producer intimidates me? Bite me. Okay. Well, no, that wasn't. I didn't say you, that she intimidates. And yet again, we are in unison. Hang on. You are alone on the island. Does Linda intimidate Ethan? And is Ethan very prone to always go along with Linda for fear of retribution? Uh, yes no. or no? Uh, excuse me. Is how do you Jason? expect me to answer something like that? You want, well, you want me you to just dime do somebody always, out? How, how about you just tell the truth like you're supposed just to tell Just because I day. align with her points of view and that might disagree with yours. We've oh. worked together for and 15 worked, years. Yeah. Oh, and how many times, behind, because Linda's in front of you in the front of the glass and you're behind her, have you put up a thumbs up but don't say what you really think? No, First no, no. of all, I can see the reflection in the glass, okay, but so there, there's no so, secrets. So you have seen it yourself, that he behind uh, your back. No. And by the way, there's another cue ball that works over here too that was behind your back last week and gave me a thumbs up. Tell you, you get real excited about people giving you a thumbs up. Is that all it takes in this life? Just give I, me a thumbs I, up and go like home happy? It's like saying, you know, that Linda's the boss. Uh, okay, you report directly That's to Linda, correct. but with I all am. due respect, I am your boss. You're, you're both my boss. No, I am the big boss. I'm you the, oh, are you're the, the big boss. Okay. I'm the big boss. That's now correct. It's a party. And by the way, let's say Linda, for some reason, came to me and said she wanted to fire you. I'd say, why? And she'd explain it. I'd say, no, nah, we're not firing them. Don't let me fire anybody. Why are we uh, talking no, about let you fire. being fired? <laughs> no, you're not. You just had a new baby. That's probably not a good idea to talk about. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, come on. This Linda, isn't well, really uh, so nice of you. Don't you? Oh, you're, you're not three, fired. You have a three month old. Let's right. talk about you being right, fired on be air. <laughs> Linda, how many times have you said to me over the many, many years we worked together, I think this person needs to go? And I'm like, many, no. many times. And what do I always say? Calm down. No, give them another chance. <laughs> no, I say work with them. Work with them, Linda. They can they can grow. Show that's them. correct. And how many Help times? How many times have you said this person needs to go, and then you turn out saying, "Oh, you know what? It's all working out fine." Never. Every time. Every time. Never. I have never. You're so lying. That's I'm not so true. not. She wants to fire her. You get pissed off. Don't piss off Linda. I look. I have a saying, and I think it's true. I'll have wait, 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 wait like one Linda second. Scorned. You tell me, you say to everyone, I'm scared of her. And then you go, hey, don't piss off Linda. You don't want to piss off Linda. You have to take a step. Yeah, you're afraid Let me, me tell you Sean. something, Ethan, in case you don't know. You're very solid on the show. I've got your back, so you're good. 
You don't have to worry about Linda. You can be honest now and stop giving me the thumbs up behind her back so that, you know, and not say it publicly. It's all right. You just be yourself. She respects honesty. First of but, all. But the reality is nobody gets fired by me. That's just they the reality. They fire themselves. If anyone goes, they usually fire themselves or they find a, a, something else that they like better on their own. You're fired. I'm not a firer. I don't like to fire. I don't like to. It's not. In that's me. why I'm the boss and you're the talent. No, that's why I, tell I handle you, the dirty that's work. That's why I tell you, calm down and work with the person. And it usually works out just fine. No, every single time you say to me, gosh, oh darn it. You were right again. You were right about that person. Okay. Gosh, darn you, it. Okay. Was this like a, a, a nightmare dream that you had that maybe you thought for a second I ever said that? Because I've never said that. You have so said that. Not on that issue. Never happened. Many times there are people that come into our lives that work with us in some capacity. And how, many first, well, how many times have you brought people into our lives and then are like, oh, uh, first of all, it. sometimes people come into our lives. They just come the way, into our lives. How many people have been out of our lives on your insistence and then come back into our lives. Oh, that's only happened on one insistence because the person that we kicked out of our lives was lying about uh, the other I'm person and then we had to bring I, that I, person too, back. Too much drama for me. I'm not interested. Let's Listen get to the phones. Uh, David, Ohio. David, hi. How are you? Welcome to the program. Glad you're with us. Sean, it's an absolute pleasure to be able to talk to you. Uh, it's an honor for me to talk to you and welcome to our crazy group of people here. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh. I'm 31 years old, Sean. I own my own construction company here in Ohio. Um, I live about an hour north of Dayton. And I had a question, and I and he was the only one I could think of that could a actually find the answer. There's all this talk about the economy being at its all-time high um, and the, about there being a labor shortage because there's not enough people to perform the work. In the, in the last six months, I have had three different employees, and... They've all been from early 20s to late 20s. And I've had to fire all of them because they don't want to work. And, you know, um, look, I've heard this from a lot of people over the years. Look, look, this is something that just is factual. There are well, there are some kids that are spoiled, some kids that are entitled, some kids that don't do any work at all. And because they've never been I mean, parents instinctively want life to be easier for their children. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like my grandparents had 10 bucks when they came here each in their pocket and they would just they never got out of the poverty. They just all they did was secure a little bit better life for their families, but laid a foundation for people like my father. Now, my father grew up really poor in Bed-Stuy. My mom grew up in the South Bronx and it was a big deal. And after World War Two, my dad spent four years in the Pacific to get a a 50 by 100 lot Cape Cod, three Older sisters, one bathroom, hell on earth for me. But, you know, but it was a big deal. It was be It was so much better. Yeah. You know, I think that yeah. house is probably worth like close to a million dollars today, believe it or not. Wow. And wow. it's what, what's amazing is, is that, you know, my parents didn't, you know, I, I will admit that, you know, life is very different from my kids. And as much as I'm a helicopter parent and all parents that I know are, I mean, when I got out of off the school bus, boom, I'm gone. See you later. No, they didn't ask where I was. They they weren't asking about my grades. They weren't asking. They did say study. They did say turn off that radio at like midnight every night. And I would put it right back on when they left. But it's not it's it just the world has changed more evil, more danger. 
maybe we've given too much, but I find that there is a creativity that our kids today can have and do have, but they don't maybe have the, the same conditions or urgency that they would have if they were just in survival mode, but it was designed to be that way. Does that make sense? Right. Well, you know, sir, I, I grew up when I was 16, I started with construction for a, a big kind uh, industrial construction through high school. Um, and I've worked construction since then. And both my grandparents were carpenters, but my parents, they never forced me to work. They told me I had to buy my own car and that they would pay half for the first one or whatever. But at the same time here, you know, the, these kids, that the guys that I that came to work for me, you know, they don't have hardly anything and they don't really seem to care that they don't. Let me and, tell you what worked for and me. The, and the people that and the people that want to work for me, Sean, are all retired and they're like 60, They have a different work. It's general. I don't doubt at all the Im impact of generations because there's not the urgency or the same hunger. But well, I'll tell you what, if the word education from Latin, which means bring forth from within is true. I would argue that in an environment with less stress and pressure for, for bare necessities, that it's given this next generation a creativity and a license to go deeper into things and create more. And ultimately, when they get more mature, more disciplined, which they will, they're going to they're, they're going to produce things that will probably blow our minds away. But I'll add one other thing. The way I dealt with it was, OK, you have two jobs. Well, three. Be a good person. Get good grades. And commit yourself to your sport, not necessarily win, effort and attitude. And the sport part of it for my kids was hours every day. And trust me, that is that that's a job. But I didn't want my kids doing what I did at 12. And that's, you know, riding home after washing dishes by hand all night. And after having two same poly girls at the bar and flying home on my bicycle at two, three o'clock in the morning, like I did, that, that was the non-starter for me. Not going to happen. So I had to find more creative ways. And, and thank God, mostly, uh, you know, they're no kids perfect, but they've done pretty well. Thank God. And um, does that make sense? You got to give them discipline. You got to put you got to set bars. And I just did it in a different way. And the work was the commitment to school, being a good person and sports. But I mean, a level of sports that I never could dream of because we didn't have organized sports like this. Right. Right. So anyway, that, well, look, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not. Listen, trust me, I'm not parent of the year. I'm just I've, I've worked way too much of my life. But I but for me. Relatively speaking, I can tell you that it worked pretty well, and I'm pretty happy we did it this way. And um, I would have a little more faith because if you're free of the burden of worrying, which is what we wanted to give our kids, what my grandparents wanted to give their kids and, and me, because I stand on their shoulders, if they have the freedom to create with less burden and maybe 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 we're robbing them of the stress of life that they've got to get into survival mode. I didn't want my kids in survival mode like I did. And I've been financially independent since I'm since I'm like 10 years old. I mean, totally. There was food in the refrigerator. There was a place for me to sleep. My parents were lovely people. They took me to church on Sunday, but they worked their asses off and they did it so we could all have a better life, assuming we'd find our way. And we did. Uh, I think it's a great conference. What do you think? You're, I see that mind turning because I know I think you and I agree on this, don't we? What? That people don't like to work. No, that we our parents and grandparents work. So we didn't have to work so hard. And their grandkids, your little boy, doesn't have to work as hard as you do. I don't exactly agree with that because. Well, but are you going to let your kid go off and wash dishes at 12 and ride his bicycle home at 3 a.m.? I'm going to let him work. I want him to work. I didn't ask that question. Are you going to let him work the way I worked? I might. No way. 
I no. just, I just no, listen, feel. The, listen, you're listen, the woman listen. who can't get to three, Liam. Okay, one. first of all, the reason I don't get to three is because my kid gets it at two, Papa. That's what happens okay. when you no, do it because, right. Because you give him 45 twos, but you never get to three. So that's why he never gets to three. It, well, to, wasn't what, it you five minutes mommy, ago who I've told me this. to work with people? Ethan, back work me with up. People. What does mommy say? One, one two. two. Liam, what <laughs> did mommy say? Let's go back to one. One, two. What did I say? What happens if I get to three? To Is answer true your or question, false? Liam, Liam, true, uh, Liam, your sorry, question. Ethan, true or false? You having a Joe three 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 zero moment, <laughs> Ethan? I've never, I've only heard her get to three once, actually. Exactly, but, but, but that had to be history making. Stop and does she to go multiple trouble, times? Stop, stop it. Why? Why is it that Linda is a damn good mother? Why do you got to be like this? No, 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 no. You got two. Linda's a got great two mom, but Linda's you're not going to let one against another. I'm telling you right now, Linda's not going to let you are the Liam at 12 evil. years old wash dishes by hand for eight hours on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, and come home at two in the morning. But sure, not for nothing. The problem with the kids today. And God, I sound old saying that. But my God, <laughs> like as I heard man. the word, get off my lawn! Oh, there we go. It's all over. Oh, it's terrible. Oh my God. But seriously, the problem, by the way, when you, you do know, talk like your parents, it's a chilling moment, right? It's very scary, actually. It just happened. I went ah. But in all seriousness, there is a moment where you think to yourself, you know, the thing I loved about being poor growing up was, you know, we were we worked so hard. You know, I mean, I had my working papers at fourteen, and you know, I started babysitting at eleven, and you know. It, it helps, you know, and, and I always had two, three jobs. Forget about it. That's just how it was. I'm just telling you, it, it, you I mark my words and I, I'm not I'm not really trying to argue. And I know you're a great mom. Jason's a thousand percent right. Thank you, Jason. But I'm I, it's not the same. You're welcome. You don't want Liam to have to have it as hard. Now, let's assume I'm right. If I'm right. That'll give Liam the room to develop into the brilliant, talented kid that God meant him to be. Yeah, but see, if I let him work hard, he'll appreciate it more. Okay, I'm just telling you, he won't do what you did, and he won't do what I did. It's not happening. Well, I if I take everything you. away. Listen, I've, the, the, the greatest weapon I had, the reason I didn't, never hit my kids with the belt the way my father kicked the crap out of me, and I will argue I deserved it every single time. This was not undeserved. Um, and it made me realize I better wake up. But for me, that was, okay, give me your phone, give me your computer, give me your stuff, go in your room, and do nothing. Never had to hit them. They would break. Well, my daughter, she would be building forts. She would she'd find a way to, you know, make that sucker last. But see, that's what they, that's what kids need. They need a little bit more of that. I remember doing that stuff, going outside, riding time. bikes, roller skating, you know, building, you know, hay, you know, the leaf stacks and jumping into them in the fall. And now all these kids are playing Minecraft and all these stupid Listen, games. But I am and, telling you, think of the forum selling out for a week in Los Angeles to, to watch other people play Fortnite. Yeah, I'm not letting my kid Duty. watch other kids play games. You want to live your life, go live your life. Don't watch other people live okay. theirs. Well, the thing is, is they learn how to be better themselves. That's And they are so motivated that they want to do it. Actually, my son, who really loves these games, Call of Duty, Fortnite, He's, he told me the next game he's now involved in is going to take him three years to learn it. Yeah, but he's a grown up. It's different. I'm not letting my 10 year old do that. OK, but I tell you, at four, when my my son figured out on Scooby Doo on PlayStation how to kill the mastermind after I spent a whole weekend trying to f fix it and even looked it up the cheats and I couldn't. As do riveting as Scooby Doo is, we got to take a break, boss. 
right, that's going to wrap things up for today. We got a busy Hannity tonight. Hannity history lesson. Yeah, up the appeasers versus those who don't appease. We do have the new McCabe emails. Yeah, Comey's in even more trouble, as is McCabe himself. Uh, We've got the latest on that. Democrats, they have one agenda. They're back at work today. After how long off? Sarah Sanders, Newt Gingrich, Tom Fittens, Jim Jordan, Michelle Malkin. I bet that's going to wrap things up for today. Thanks for being with us. And we will see you tonight back here tomorrow.